Well, after a short break for the festivities, we're back with a vengeance. And what's more, we've made it to the illustrious 100th episode of The Trade-Off. Now, we're 18 days into the year, but there's a lot going on. There's moves being made in FX markets, commodities and equities as well. And in rates, the dominant thematic is that central banks are pushing back against fairly aggressive rate cut pricing that we're seeing. Blake and I are back. We're trying to make sense of everything that we're seeing, the flows, the price action, and we're analysing the risks around that. It's good to be back. This is The Trade-Off. Well, it's 2024. We're back again with The Trade-Off. I'm another year older, but a man who never seems to grow older. Peter Pan of the finance world, Mr. Blake Morrow, is joining us right now. And we're going to be analysing everything that's going on in the financial markets, trying to make sense of all the price action and the weird and wonderful inner goings of the financial markets. Happy New Year, Mr. Blake Morrow. How are you? Happy New, to, happy new Year to you, Chris, and uh, Happy New Year to our audience. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, so. well, I hope you, uh, hope you and all the audience had a, had a, had a safe and uh, you know, prosperous uh, New Year as well. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's I guess we can kick it off, Blake, because, you know, there's there's 18 days so far, um, probably 17 for you, but 18 days for, for me so far into the new year. And it feels like we've already done quite a lot of time in the markets already. I mean, I've been working through, um, I'm not sure if you had any time, but I've been working through and, you know, there's, there's stuff going on in the Red Sea, you know, everyone's, every central bank is pushing back against the rate cut pricing. Uh, I, I feel exhausted already. <laughs> How are you feeling? Uh, me too. Me too. I agree. I agree. There's there's a lot of a lot of things happening in the ge- in the geopolitical world. There was a ta- Taiwan Taiwanese election last weekend. The dollar has been rip roaring. Uh, there's been an ETF for for crypto released or multiple ETFs. I mean, it's been a it's been a, a already a jam packed couple of weeks. So I'm glad to be back here at the trade off, back in the hot seat with you. So yeah, it's great, mate. Well, it's a lot to a lot to unpack. So let's go straight into it. Let's uh, let's go to topical thunder. Remember, everyone out there, if you uh, if you want to leave us a question about anything you're going to hear uh, in this, we'd love to love to hear your questions, love to hear your thoughts on some of the big sort of talking points we're doing. Of course, if you if you want to give us a like, smash the like button as well. Uh, but Blake, let's crack straight into it, mate. I want to talk about sentiment. Let's let's lay the big picture about everything that's going on. We talked a little bit about it in that synopsis just then, um, but I've got the VIX now. We got the VIX now. Just had a bit of a move back up to into about fifteen percent. Uh, we've seen the US dollar. Yeah, moving up at just a little bit higher, a couple two and a half percent or so. We've seen a little bit of a sell-off in the front end of, of, of global bond curves. UK CPI numbers were hot. ECB members continue to push back, as is the case with uh, the Fed, with you know, Christopher Waller perhaps not showing the urgency that perhaps the markets wanted to see um, in a couple of sessions ago. Um, and so all those factors have been there. You know, we've got the Nikkei has been having an absolute ripper. I know there's a bit of heat coming out the last day, but you know that's where the flows have been. And conversely, we've seen the Chinese markets under and, and Hong Kong markets under significant pressure. So if you aggregate that all into the big morrow pool and, and price action, how are you sensing sort of aggregate sentiment in the markets right now? You know, I, that's that's a good question. Um, I I would say sentiment remains pretty much the same. 
Stocks are going to re be remain bid. I think there was an overemphasis at at the end of the year that you know stocks were just going to keep rallying to all time highs and continue on. And I think people are still in buy the mode dip. Uh, I think um, you, know, you, you talk to people. Uh, by, did I say by the dip mode? By, you you <laughs> get what I'm saying. It's late, remember, it's late in the day for me, early in the morning for you, late in the day for me. So yeah. sometimes my words get a little jumbled up. But um, also, I think that uh, the market is really uh, still looking at the dollar as um, even though it's had a nice bounce, they still look at the dollar as being a bastard child. Um, and I think people want to continue to sell dollars. So, you know, as far as sentiment goes, it's interesting. I I listen to a lot of macro analysts and, and and economists and what they have to say. I read a lot of bank research. It seems like everybody's still pretty much in the buy the dip camp and stocks and risk should stay very well supported. Um, but we've seen a couple of things that, uh, that 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 do raise some concerns, I believe. Yeah, mate, we've got, we've got earnings season about to kick off. I know this week is very low. Um, next week, it starts going on the following weeks when we get about 35% of the S&P market cap. Obviously, the big tech names and discretionary names come out then. So that could be quite interesting. Um, there's a lot of variants that could kick around. And this week, we've also got OPEX playing through. We've just seen with fixed expiration, single stock expiries. And that may post once we get that, the gamma gets cleared from the market. The market could be a bit more free, free to move around, may cause a, yeah, the, the, the vol to pick up a little bit. We may see the VIX push into, say, 17%. Hopefully, it gets up to 20%. That's where I like it. That's where I do some of my best work. But um, yeah, look, I think it's an interesting one. A lot of the consensus trades that we saw at yeah, it, from the sell sides in, in Q4, um, you know, are being blown out. A weaker dollar. Everyone was expecting a weaker dollar. I know we're only a month into it, 18 days into it, but the dollar looks okay at the moment. Um, China was expected to, to find the big outperformance relative to a lot of other markets. Yeah, obviously that hasn't been the case. I think the Hang Seng is down 10% year to date. 10.5% in dollar terms. So it's interesting. A lot of the consensus trades, we knew that they would get unwound and that's exactly what's happened, right? But it's happening in, it's happening at a very fast pace too. And that's the thing that's like, it's kind of like, uh, it's like I expected a lot of things had to happen at the end of the quarter. They've happened already in the first couple of weeks of January. And now you're like, well, what happened now? What, well, I think what everyone, do we put do the, now? Put, everyone put the trades on in December, right? So everyone was long small caps, long Russell, short S and P, and that that trades unwound already because that's just a play on yeah. rates. Um, China, right. I don't think anyone ever actually put the trade on. They just said, "Let's if we see the flows, then we'll start doing it." But that that, that trade could still materialize. I guess we're going to talk about that a little bit in a, in a minute. We are okay. Well, let's continue on. Let's move to the next topic and let's talk about Fed cuts and what um, the market market's pricing in. And uh, you know the big. I think the big uh, conversation that we were having at the end of the year is, uh, is there an over expectation of rate cuts? And, you know, we were having this discussion just before uh, we, we, we hit go on the cameras and we, and we flicked the lights on that, you know, the market was pricing in or pricing in, you know, the, the, the chance of six rate cuts throughout the course of 2024. Is this an overshoot, and are we seeing the dollar correct right now? And where do we stand at this point? And and uh, and I, I, that's the kind of the, the the conversation I wanted to have right now because if you look out into March, um, there is about well, I was I, I said it earlier because we pulled up a few charts. We were looking at the world interest rate charts, and then uh, Wes, do you have a chart of your 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 own that that you wanted to display? But we were showing that there is about a fifty percent chance of a rate cut going into you know going into the march meeting 
And you said, well, hey, I just looked a, a few minutes ago and it's even changed. And But what we've seen is we've seen the dollar actually pull back a little bit today. So it's a really interesting dynamic to see how the markets are responding. And I got to ask you, do you still think the Fed is going to be de- going to be able to deliver six rate cuts? And, and we've seen we've already seen some economic data come through um, already. So what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, if, if six or seven rate cuts this year, starting from March. I mean, we've never seen that, that extent of rate cuts outside of a, a recession. So if we're going to get if you believe we're going to get a soft landing, which the consensus from sell sides continues to be the case, then then this would be a first. Yeah, that level of rate cuts would be a first. If you believe we're going to get a recession, then you probably say that, yeah, they need to front load it. And we should at some meeting, we could even be talking about a 50 basis point cut. So that it's still very much open in the air. Now, I think what you've been seeing is is we're overlapping a chart now. You can see that the the table of, of, of rate cuts per meeting, this is not my view, this is what's priced into swaps pricing. And you can see that March is around 60%. So that's what's being priced in now. And the interesting situation um, is if you actually look at the dollar index, and I know that's not a great representation of the dollar because 57% of that is euros, 14% or so is, is the yen, and 12% is, is the pound. It's very, very concentrated. Um, but what we've been seeing is that, is that implied probability of a March cut has really just resonated with the dollar. The dollar is literally moving tick for tick. The dollar index is moving tick for tick with the implied probability. And when we got to those recent lows in the dollar index, there was about a 90% probability of a rate cut in the March meeting. Now, some of that pricing has come out, as we've seen a little bit of pushback from the likes of Waller um, and other G10 central bankers pushing back against those pricing, which again has resonated. And the dollars had a, had a, about a two and a half percent bounce off those lows as we've got to about 60 percent. So for me, I think very keeping it very simple with the dollar is really just looking at expectations for a March cut and the idea that, that that's when they're going to start the easing cycle playing through. And that's what the dollar's really trading on. I mean, that's as simple as that. I mean, you can see it from the overlap and the relationship there. But just to answer your question, Blake, um, yeah, I think this would be a first if we were going to get that level of cuts. Uh, core PCE comes out on the 26th of January. We're going to need to see that week to show that the six-month annualised rate is still below 2%. Perhaps they can do it, but a quick one for you. I think that 60% chance of a rate cut when the consumer in the US is still very strong, unemployment is still pretty good, still below 4%. I think 60% is probably closer towards 25-30% of a rate uh, chance of a rate cut in March at this stage with the data we know. Quick one for you. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to agree with you. And I think that might even be a little frothy. I think the 25, 30% chance might be still even a little frothy. I might come in just slightly below that, but I still think that expectations are way out of whack right now. And, and the dollars on the receiving end of, exactly. uh, of those reprice at that repricing right now. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think the other one is if we go into equity as well now, um, you know, if I go into the equity situation, I think, I want to talk about you know your views on on where we are. We've got the S and P not a million miles away from all time highs. Nasdaq's been fairly stable, relatively speaking. Um, where do you sit on on those markets? Given yeah the pushback on rate expectations, the fact that we've seen a slightly stronger dollar, and if we think globally as well, I mean, if there are there any markets? I mean, I've been really concentrated on what we're seeing in in in, in the Nikkei. And also in in the Hang Seng and the H shares, I think that's been yeah. You know, I like things that are moving. I like I've been short those markets. Yeah, where do you, where are you sitting on on the equity markets? Is there any that, that really you know, on the equity indices that really spring out for you right now? 
Well, first of all, let me just say being short stocks is a tough game, especially U.S. equity. No, in China. So that, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you if you focus in China and then, you know, here we are hitting multi-year lows and, you know, Hang Seng's trying to break down or getting close to breaking down, you know, but the flip side is you look at the, the Nikkei, as you pointed out, the Nikkei just hit 161% extension. The DAX still looks pretty um, constructive and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, so I... I, you know, I know my level. I know my level where I need to start to rethink how I position myself in the market, just roughly, just so you guys have a number out there. It's about 46.45 on the S&P. You know, we start getting below that, then traders start thinking double top. You know, uh, if I'm long near the highs, I'm going to start getting a little nervous. Then I start putting myself in the shoes of those traders. That's when my sentiment shifts. But right now, like I said, it's it's a tough trade. And you start talking about repricing. <coughs> yeah, if the market does reprice, you know, we are going to have, you know, good data, bad for stocks. And well, I just want to say, I mean, data, sense, equities, equities is a sentiment game. Look, if, if you're shorting, you know, if you're a day trader, I mean, yeah, look, there's obviously short. If, if it's a trend day and it's a trend day lower, you can short within an intraday time frame. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you're taking off a sort of more swing position, if you're taking a, if you're taking a more sort of, uh, two-day week affair, then the best way to short is you've got to wait for the VIX to spike up well above 20% and that, that the buyers strike to happen and yeah, the markets fall under their own weight. That, that, that is the time to be shorting. We, we saw last year that, that short interest or people shorting, just, it, was a, it was a very tough game. People lost money doing that. I mean, we saw that in the open market. Um, but you've got to look at the market conditions, otherwise you're going to get by the dip. And you've got to wait for that vol to pick up market to be trending ctas to be going short and the buyers just step away and it's just easier those are the conditions to be shorting equity indices not right now when you're getting that distribution coming through um so that's that's you've got to know the market conditions yeah and and i i gotta say one other thing probably for the last maybe even as we started the first show here on the trade-off the market has always thought this is going to be the earning season that matters this is going to be there this this quarter it's this quarter but i actually believe now that we're here it is this quarter that earnings are going to start to matter and you're going to see stocks from a valuation standpoint start to be questioned i don't think we've actually seen anyone i've not heard anyone say that and i agree with you that, that we, every other quarter is the most interesting one the bank's telling us what the future is and but I haven't heard that, so maybe this is the right quarter. Because every every time that we've been told that it is the quarter to you know the most important quarter, it's actually the macros trumped every single situation from a bottoms up. So maybe this is the quarter where we're going to hear some major insight that that valuation will actually matter to the markets. You're right. All right. Well, let's let's move over to the last topic, and I think um, we kind of covered it going into my first topic, but I really want to talk about the dollar at this point because we have seen. A massive, uh, I say massive, uh, because I live in the currency world, the 2% rally <laughs> off of the lows. I'm like, woo, for the dollar, that's great. But, you know, we've seen we've seen this dollar move. And now, now is the question I have to ask, is the dollar mispriced at this point? Because remember, the consensus trade was the dollar is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, we're going to see stocks rally. The dollar is going to continue to slide. Um, and we've seen the dollar kind of pull back from that, and we've seen the dollar rally. At this point, Chris, I got to ask, do you think that the dollar is ready for another leg of a recovery rally or a bounce, 
or do you think you have to sell this rally that we're currently in? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you my two cents. My two cents is the dollar's got further to go. I think that the U.S. data, uh, people are starting to look at, you know, some of the data that the, like the, uh, you know, um, um, uh, uh, East Coast PMIs, the, uh, I'm sorry, awesome. the Empire State Manufacturing data oh, from yeah, last week. Oh my God, that was so horrible. You know, I mean, people are starting to look at some of the data and go, wait a second, I'm kind of questioning that, but I still don't think this is the this is the, the, the point where the US economy starts to roll over. So I think the dollar still has more of a recovery to go. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I wanna, I wanna agree with you. Um, you know, China just looks awful at the moment. Um, so it, again, that just reemphasizes that you probably get, do we start seeing the US being that exceptionalism story which drove the US dollar flows last year? May it, That may emerge. If we were to see equities accelerate to the downside, which I'm not definitely sure, I'm, I'm, I've no insight that's going to happen. But if it was to happen, then the dollar's going to work on a safe haven bid in that situation. So there's a few things. Relative growth expectations, um, that, that drives those capital flows, Fed repricing, um, and also equity volatility. I think they're the factors which will drive the next leg up in the US dollar. But we'll have to see. I mean, I think the next big data point is going to be the, the PCE numbers on the 27th. Um, a couple few days later after that, you've got employment cost index. That could be a big one. I mean, these are further out the line. And then we've got the Fed meeting. But I think then the big one comes through. If we're sort of going into that March situation, we've got, we've got payrolls on the 2nd. We've got CPI on the 12th or 13th of, uh, of, of the month. And yeah, I think that's where it's going to be interesting. Um, the other factor, Blake, of course, is when we get the minutes <coughs> on the 22nd of February, there's going to be massive um, exploration in there around the idea about quantitative tightening tapering. I mean, that's going to be where we're going to be looking at very closely. And does that, does that have an impact on the US dollar? Yeah, it looks like... Um, given where we're seeing reserves at the moment, or should we say um, RRP balances, that the Fed are going to be looking to taper off that QT program probably April, June, um, around yeah. that sort of period. So that, that that could be a big dollar driver. Have you been talking to people quickly while I've got you about you know, an earlier no. end to, to QT and, and the impact on the dollar there? Uh, not 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 a lot we we've had some discussions like our, every day when we when we uh, have our conversations with with our uh, with our client base we do talk about QT and and maybe some adjustments but it's not like immediate on our radar just at this moment in time but I think you're right those discussions behind the scenes and what what we're allowed to see on the FOMC meeting minutes I say that tongue in cheek a little bit what we're allowed to see is uh and what they want us to see is probably going to tell us you know, the story that they want us to believe about QT. Hey, I, I did want to mention this before we move on to our setups, Chris. I know, you know, people come into a new year and and this could be that year because I hear a lot of rumblings about it. This could be that year that the dollar is dethroned. Maybe we'll have our sterling moment, you know, where, where you know, the, the, the dollar gets absolutely destroyed, the debt, blah, 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 whatever it is. We may have that moment. But being here on the trade-off is where you want to be because we are traders. You are a trader. I'm a trader. We trade the markets. We see this well ahead of mainstream, right? The mainstream media. So stick around, you know, through the trade-off. We'll be recognizing if things are starting to move quite aggressively where our radar has to start coming up. So, you know, That's put right. away the tinfoil hats for now. And yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the dollar will have its sterling moment at some point. We'll but see. We'll, we'll see, see it coming. We don't mind yeah. a bit of vol, but uh, yeah, 
we'll see what happens there. Anyway, let's go to this setup and look at some of the technical charts on our radar. I'm going to go first, I'm going to go with the H shares. So the H shares, for, for those who are uninitiated in the market, is the Hong Kong um, exchange, but it's the sort of, some of those sort of mixture of Hong Kong companies and Chinese companies mixed into that. Um, as you can see, it's in a, a pretty nice bear trend. Um, you know, I think there's a mixture of factors that have been going forward, but I think international money managers are just pulling money out. Um, you see that in the flows. You see that in the northbound connect flows. I mean, yesterday we saw 13 billion yuan coming out. I think it's the biggest day in over 12 months or so. So, you know, the PBOC continue to, to disappoint. They they failed to um, to cut the medium lending facility. I mean, we've seen property statistics both in sales volumes, you know, absolutely collapsing recently. Um, you know, and it just doesn't look great from an investment perspective. They've got a two-speed economy, you know, the, the property space is, is in structural decline. Um, other parts of it are sort of improving. Um, demographics are deteriorating. People want money out, out, out continue to want out. Um, it's in a bear trend. I'm, I've called this catching a falling knife. I want to sell rallies here until we see something a bit more substantial, which we'll talk about in play of the day. Um, has this come on your radar, Blake, whether you're looking at the Hang Seng, the CN50, or in this case here, the H shares? How, how are you reading these markets? They they look bearish, and I, I I have to agree with you wholeheartedly. Even though the daily RSI is starting to dip into oversold territory, but oversold can become more oversold. It's funny, actually, when I pulled up this chart, Chris, I I had a double bottom reversal on the chart from way back in November of 22 when we talked about it back then. That's been how long it's been since I've actually pulled up this chart on this show. Um, but what's interesting is that it, it does look like we're gonna revisit those recent lows and um, and relative strength, it, it is breaking down and it is confirming the move lower. So I think that the idea of selling rallies makes a lot of sense to me. And that's the way I would approach this. And, I was going to ask you, Chris, why didn't the PBOC adjust the one-year lending facility on Monday? Why, why didn't they do that? Well, I, I don't know the exact reason. Obviously, I don't know the exact reason, but I suspect. But I suspect you can make credit cheaper. You can take the MLF rate from two and a half to two point four, which was expected. And the, the medium lending facility is effectively the, the rate that banks get liquidity for six months or one month, whatever the, the duration is, from direct from the PBOC. The prime right. rate is the rate that, that you know, consumers or businesses borrow from commercial banks. So they were expected to cut it by 10 to 15 basis points. They didn't. Now, why is that? I guess, why do you need to make credit cheaper if there's not the demand for it? <laughs> you know, if people don't want the credit... Because there isn't a demand, then then making it cheaper doesn't really do anything. So, I, I think what we're seeing at the moment is that there's just, just a lack of demand for credit, and so it doesn't really make make life cheaper. Um, and yeah, the, the, the PBOC themselves are going after the quality of, of, of growth. You know, they 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 want to increase the amount of debt that's coming forward. So, yeah, I think there's I think it, for me most importantly is this: you can make the cost of capital and the cost of borrowing cheaper. But is there the demand? I don't think there's the demand in China for right now for, for that. It sounds sounds like a doom loop to me. Ugh. All right. So, <laughs> ooh, did I say that? I did. And I said it out loud. Okay. Um, let's move on to the next chart and, and my first setup, which is going to be Bitcoin and don't get Bitconned. That's lovely. Come on. That's, a, go, that's a good one. Start I'm coming out swinging, Chris. I'm coming <laughs> out swinging. I like it. I like it. All right. 
Now, the reason why I brought up this chart, well, first of all, it's it's a little behind because we we didn't broadcast last week, but I, I did post on when, when we hit the 618, right after the ETFs were approved. I, I just want people to sit back and think for a moment. You know, here we are knowing that ETFs are going to be released. You see the accumulation, you know, way back in, 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 you know, October of last year, September of last year when it was trading around 27,000, 30,000. And then you see the the move higher in expectation that Bitcoin was going to release these ETFs. Now that they're out, that everybody is very disappointed on the out the, the, the take up. There's some outflows uh, th- that are bigger than expected. Look, I think that Bitcoin is going to see some selling pressure. And what's going to signal that? We just closed below the 50 DMA, but we started getting below 41,500. I was looking for a move back down to about 34,000. 34,000 would be a level that would interest me. And look, I will tell you, I think Bitcoin and crypto is just continues to get woven into Wall Street and the financial markets. It's just another product for them to sell. It's not. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So if you want to trade it, trade it. Find a level to buy it. What do you think, Chris? About I'm getting bitconned. Your bid at thirty four thousand. I'm I'm right there with you, brother. I'm absolutely there. I mean, if we can get down to those levels, I'm a buyer every day of the week. And that's probably where you're going to get a lot of that heat coming out. I mean, it would have been. It would be a really nice deflator from there. And that will probably give you the run up into the halving, which takes place in April. And I think you know. Yeah, you know, we've only had four halvings, so it's not a huge sample size, of course. But everyone, obviously, everyone knows that we get the people running into that. So I'd like to be, I'd like to be long at those levels for a nice run up into the halving, and, yeah, and then see what happens. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right, I'm, I'm, I'm utterly convinced that this time, if we were to speak at the end of the year, Blake, I think Bitcoin is going to be the outperforming asset, like we saw in 2023. I think it's going to be the place to be again in 2024. Um, I think, yeah. You know, obviously, you only. I, I would. I wouldn't bet the farm on it, and I would only want a small allocation as part of a, a, a you know, multi-asset diverse. If I was going to buy and hold it, um, but I do think it's going to be one of the better performers this year. Um, once again, do you do you echo that, or do you want to take the other side of that that trade? I don't know if I'd take the other side of that. I'm just going to be a little bit more hesitant about my allocation size as we start to pull down towards those levels. So 34,000 is a 618 retracement. We just hit the 618 retracement on a weekly basis and reversed. So that shows you that Bitcoin is very adherent to that golden fib. So yeah, Mm. 34,100. Yeah, I'll stick a toe out there. Well, well, you've got to wait for if it gets down there. If if it gets yeah, down there, then, yeah, then, then yeah. you can't. You don't just. I I don't just blindly leave limit orders down there to buy. I want to see how price reacts. If we actually see, you know, accumulation of buying pressure, um, and it starts to find some some you know some real love, then then I'll be buying into it. I'm just going to blindly because if, it's, if if the price action then is is in free fall like we've been seeing in Chinese markets, I don't want to touch it because you just you get love. Right. But yeah, it's really it, 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 it's, levels. It's, you it's see how price speed. is reacting it, around there. It's the speed of we, it's how we get there and how fast it gets there. <laughs> right. So yeah. that, that matters, right. believe it or not. It does. All right. yeah, absolutely. Let's go to Dolly Yen because um, that's, that's the next one on my one. Obviously, seen a huge amount of activity in, in Dolly Yen from, from clients in the broader market. I brought, put, I've chucked in a cheeky Ichimoku cloud now. It's not something I look at too closely, Woo-hoo. but I do know I do know that, that when it comes to the Nikkei and, and Dolly Yen and the Yen pairs, um, that a lot of people in Japan use this one very, very aggressively. Um, and so it does, you know, get to become a self-fulfilling prophecy, maybe. But yeah, I do I do know a lot of, um, certainly Mrs. Mrs. Watanabe looks at this very, very closely indeed. And we've broken through the top of the cloud. But it's also, 
uh, levels the 61.8% retracement of their sell-off that we saw you know, November to December, and also um, the 200-day moving average, which you can see is the blue sort of average there. So it's broken a sort of confluence uh, of key levels. Um, the question then, Blake, is obviously this is this is a reflection. You know, it's, for me, it's a rates play. Dolly has always been a rates play, and it continues to be a US rates play. Um, if you believe that we're going to see a yeah continue back up in two-year yields, and and you know that 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 March pricing comes out, you know we could be looking at 150. Short Dolly Yen was the big consensus. FX pair of 2024. The irony here after this momentum move, Blake, and it has become a little bit too hot in my opinion. I wouldn't be buying it. I wouldn't be putting new money to work here. Is could we see 150? And could, uh, despite everyone saying this is going to be the big short of 2024, be actually at a level pretty close where we get Bank of Japan intervention or Ministry of Finance jawboning? It's crazy, right? It is. Um, and for, first of all, remember. At the end of the year, we did an end of year show, you and I, and and we had Michael Brown here, talked about Japan. I got long dollar yen, and I was long dollar yen all the way up until like earlier this week or late last week, excuse me. And uh, this has all happened a lot faster than I thought. I, I was like, oh, yeah, we get up to 147.50. I'm going to get short. I did. I'm short a little bit. Um, but can it get to 150? I hope not. But the way, again, this is the... The, the rate of change, how quickly we got here, is a little scary. And unless unless we see a little bit of a reversal soon, I'm going to get a little nervous being short dollar yen. And I think 150 is not out of the question. Let's just put it that way. So, yeah, well, I'd like to see a bit of a retest down to that 200-day, yeah, that's 161, the former breakout level, see if we can hold that level, and then maybe we can make another leg up. But, yeah, I, I do think – how how things change, don't they? How things change. You've got to keep that open <laughs> mind. We talked about it, open mind, all the time. Yep. Yeah, we thought 136 was supposed to be the consensus target, but we're look, we're levels now where the Bank of Japan... Remember, the Bank of Japan don't like, and the Ministry of Finance don't, it's the rate of change that you talk about that they want to get mm. in front of. They don't mind a steady, gradual grind, but when we're seeing this kind of bum, 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 that's what they will step in. So we're not there yet, but I think if we get if we get through 149, we might see a few headlines that we're watching markets once again, which was something that we never thought we'd be seeing in 2024. Well, you know what I'm going to be looking at is I'm going to be I'm going to be watching Davos this weekend and seeing if I see any. You're on your own there, mate. I'm not going to be watching. Little 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 Japanese finance ministers running around. I'll be like, somebody, somebody, grab that guy and uh, and start questioning him. And let's let's get. I just watch Davos because it makes me jealous, and I I just want to go skiing. But um, that's about it. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I like I like wearing flip flops. All right, let's go to the last setup here: the German DAX. And guess what? This time, the DAX is not necessarily dead, but Dax a setup. You like that? Woo! Come on. That's two headlines in a row. Well done, Blake. Killing it. Killing it to start <laughs> off 2024. Hey, no, th- this is a really interesting setup, and I think there's a little bit for everybody. I was actually, just before um, coming on to you know this show, I was talking to one of our traders in our community, and he just got long. He's, he's a European trader. He just got long Dax today because we are at the flag support. The risk is here that this is like the best setup for a bull. You got a bull flag pattern. You're at the bottom of the flag. You're at the 50 DMA. If you want to get long, this is your spot because you can really, really minimize your risk. The risk is if you break back below the 50 DMA, that's a false breakout. Long-term charts, we're now below the breakout point and the flag is nullified. Then you start to roll over towards the 200 DMA. So 
the, the, I think the risk is very manageable, but it is a setup. I have no skin in the game here, but I thought it was such a great setup because if you're bullish, you get long right here, put your stops below, you know, this week's lows. And the flip side is if you're bearish, you wait for this week's lows to be broken and the 50 DMA, and then you go short. What do you think about this setup, Chris? What would you do? I love flags. Absolutely love them. Absolutely love them. So um, I think when, when you're talking about high probability setups, this is probably the one for me. Um, so yeah, like I, yeah, I go long now, um, but do so in very, very small size. And as this, if, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it breaks through those lows, then you cut out for a small loss. Um, but you can build on that, you know, if, if the trade continues yeah. to break, push higher to top of the flag, add, add a little bit more. And if it actually then completes, um, you know, then you can build on that as well. If the trade's working, do more of what's working. Um, but if you buy now, which is aggressive, um, in the hope that that support holds, then you want to do it in, in you know, buy a small lot and then just add as it, it goes up. Because once that completes, that'd be obviously very bullish indeed. And again, we don't... Yeah, all this craziness that we're seeing in financial markets, one would say that, yeah, we're going to see the DAX push to an all-time highs. No one would pick that, but the price is true. That's what you're trading. And you've just got to keep that open mind. And, and these flag patterns, when they break and complete, can be very, very powerful. And obviously, you take it from the pole, which will give you really good upside targets. So, yeah, I don't mind buying this small, very small size now. If I'm wrong, cut out. You know where your risk is, as you talk about. And then if this breaks out and completes, then add, look to add to those those trades to as a position sort of trade there. So I, I think that's a, a good setup. Well done, Blake. Thank you for bringing that to my da attention. Dax is set up. Dax is set up. There's a setup. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Call me a sucker for punishment. I'm going back to the H shares. Let's go back to the China H. We call it on Pepperstone's charting. Um, now, as we talk about that, I think the market is searching out something. I think Xi in China is not going to be happy with what he's seeing here. If this is a, ref I know equity markets are not a reflection of economics, um, but he's sitting there going, our, mas our market massively underperformed last year. We're already down significantly in 2024. He's not going to be happy about that, that the way that the international markets are seeing the Chinese economy. I think we're getting closer to a point. We're not there yet, which is why I think if we get down to those November lows, that's the point where we probably could see a much higher chance that we're going to see the shock and awe treatment that the market is so desperately after. We've seen headline after headline of piecemeal drip-fed stimulus package. It's not been enough for the market. They want more to ring fence what's concerning around the property space, but they want a shock and awe fiscal and they want something from the PBOC. And I think if we get through those levels of those November lows, we're getting to a point where we could see a liquidity put from the PBOC and a much greater chance of something fiscal, which is substantial, which turns around and says, this market's cheap. And then that's when you get there. The international money flows playing through. As I've said before many times, I don't want to go long China until I see the international flows taking through into the connect. That's where the time when, when I can have greater conviction that we're going to see that V-shaped bottom and a nice move up. But those levels that you want to see uh, in November, those lows on the hate share and a similar sort of magnitude, about 4% drop from here in the Hang Seng, I think through those levels, and it gets very, very interesting in Hong Kong and hate shares, and I think we're going to get very close to a level where you're going to see um, some pretty punchy headlines playing through. Something from the central bank, from, from the government, it's not going to sit well with them that the international community see such risks in China. And I think that could be a very tradable outcome. So I'm not giving you a trade right now, but I just want to give levels where things get very, very interesting. Uh, and we're going to look at um, you know, trades around that when, when they come. Woohoo! I love trades like this, Chris. I love them. I love them. Thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. All right. My, my play of the day is going to be the Swissy. And I am straight up 
selling Swiss. Now I'm already short some Swiss. I'm, I'm long Euro Swiss, but this breakout, we broke a channel. Uh, we're testing the 38% retracement. We, we, we backed off of it today. That was on the heels of some comments from Jordan. Uh, Swiss National Bank Jordan, he was in, he's in Davos, kind of, kind of like almost being at home, but different, I guess, you know, around this. Anyway, it's cold and whatever. So, but he did say this to Bloomberg during his interview. For quite some time, we have uh, mainly a nom uh, we have had mainly a nominal appreciation. That was very, very helpful because that shielded us from the inflation pressures from abroad in the past couple of weeks of the last of last year. We saw real appreciation. He's talking at the currency that makes the situation for some of our firms more difficult. Basically, he started and he goes on to talk basically that um, this the strength of the Swiss is under, unappreciated and we can start looking at uh, possible intervention both sides, you know, and that that kind of got the market's attention. And I think that uh, the dollar Swiss, you want to be buying on dips, any dip down towards 86 cents or so, maybe slightly below that. I'm going to get long. I don't, I'm not long right now, but I plan on being long. So there you go. Interesting one. Yeah, I think Euro Swiss has been another one that, that we've been pushing um, on the radar recently. So that's a, that could be another one to, to watch as well. Anyway, I think so. uh, that's a wrap for this week. We've, uh, we've, we've run out of time, unfortunately. I think we probably could have done another 45 minutes uh, without, without fluttering an eyelid. There's so much going on at the moment. We appreciate you. We appreciate watching uh, you know, throughout the show. Uh, smash the like button if you if you if you if you can and leave us a comment uh, we'll try and get to those as quickly as we can uh, just let us know what you're thinking about the market we'd, we'd love to hear that as well so we'll be back next week for more of the trade-off see you guys